Hello, I'm Charles Feldman. And my name is Ela Edgar. And this is Trust on Purpose. We created this podcast with the intention of offering you new skills, behaviors, and actions that will help you build stronger trust in your lives. We will explore issues that arise in the workplace and offer guidance for leaders, coaches, and HR practitioners and individual contributors to help them understand what's underneath these issues. The issues we often find are related to trust. Welcome, and it's great to uh, be with you again, Ila. Do you want to introduce our topic for today? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. I was working with a client last week, and we had a really great conversation talking about Brene Brown's Living Big. I've been working with this group for a number of sessions, and in this last session, we brought in this concept of what happens when we believe that people are doing the best they can, and what happens when we don't believe that. And so I thought today we could lean into that conversation as it would relate to how we build trust or how we may not be able to build trust or how trust is impacted when we believe that people aren't doing the best they can. It's a big topic. It sounds like it. I have a couple of questions just to get us started. Could you unpack a little bit or define a little bit more completely the idea of either I do believe you're doing the best you can or I don't believe you're doing the best you can. What does that actually mean? In the context of this particular group, they have been going through the Dare to Lead program for a number of months with me. They've built trust. They have values that they lean into. They're committed to each other. And we're also all human. And so, you know, we do mess up. We do make mistakes. There are missed deadlines. There are missing conversations, perhaps conversations that just didn't go well. And so the things that we bump into in our regular day-to-day life, what happens when I believe, for example, Charles, that in that conversation, I have the assessment that you're not doing the best that you can. That I make up a story about, oh, that Charles, I can't believe he did that. Or I can't believe he didn't do that. And as I say that out loud, that quote comes into my brain about how we judge ourselves based on our intentions. We judge others based on their behaviors. Yes, the fundamental attribution error. And so I see that you have the story that I'm actually not really doing my best, that I could do better, and that in fact, I'm not doing better, maybe even a little bit intentionally, or at least I'm not intending to do my best. I'm slacking off. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, of course, following that on, you're probably going to have a little kernel of distrust or suspicion about me and in different domains. So our four domains of trust, one of them is care. And if you think I'm slacking off, I can see that you might begin to feel and assess that I don't really care about what we're doing together, our mutual endeavor here. I can also see that you might begin to question my honesty and integrity. In other words, my sincerity in our work together. Am I being honest with you about stuff? 
if that's the story you're carrying about me, I can see that that might have a big impact on how you trust me and to what degree. And so if that's the case, then what happens for you? What do you start doing with that set of assumptions? Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy for us, again, given what our world has been through in the last couple of years, to forget that people all have other things swirling around them. I'm not just the person sitting in front of you on this podcast today. I have concerns and overwhelm and things that are swirling in my life that impact how I'm showing up today. I could be concerned about health and restrictions being lifted. I have a teenager that's struggling with some health issues, right? I'm worried about delivery that I have tomorrow. So when you interact with me, and make an assessment that I'm not doing the best that I can, but you also don't know all of these other things about me. How do we begin to, oh, I'm pausing because I just went, ah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're both in the same place here, but go ahead. It's really the quadrant of care. Yeah. That just like completely took over my heart. Yes. And it may well be, in this case, I'll put it back to you because you were using you as an example. It may be that you aren't really doing your best because of all this other stuff that's going on for you, whatever it is. And we're all in that boat. We all have other stuff. So you're doing your best given that you have all this other stuff. So it's funny because that kind of dichotomy doesn't seem to be appropriate. You know, we've come into a conversation and there's the assessment you're not doing your best. But that assessment comes out as a negative judgment, really, when in fact, maybe you are doing your best given circumstances and under different circumstances, you'd be doing better. You'd be showing up as more fully. And I, <laughs> that certainly happens for me. Some days I'm coaching someone and I am just on. You just described a great experience coaching someone, and you were just on listening to your intuition, following it. We both know how that is. But then there's other days when we show up and are going, okay, I think I need another cup of coffee. And so there's a sense of a need for empathy and compassion, not only for our clients and others around us, but ourselves in the domain of care. So trust in the domain of care is that Basically, you do care about me. You do care about what we're doing together. And sometimes you show up in such a way that you're able to act on that care fully and completely and with everything that you have. And sometimes because of other things, it's not quite there yet. And same with me. So how does that impact trust? Does trust begin to erode under those circumstances when we're not showing up fully or... What do you think? I think it does. I honestly think it does. And I think once we start down that slippery slope, well, now I'm looking for evidence to prove that I'm right. See? See? I saw that. It's another piece of evidence that tells me that Charles isn't doing the best that he can. Yeah. <laughs> ick. That just feels ick to me. I don't want to do that. And let's also normalize that we're human first. 
let's normalize this human experience that we are meaning-making, story-making machines. Yes, and assessment-making machines. Assessment-making machines. My clients giggle a little, so I'm, I'm going to say a swear word, but I call it that little itty-bitty shitty committee in our head. They're really good at making up story in the absence of data. Yeah, even with data. <laughs> even with data, yes, yes. <laughs> Especially in the middle of the night, they're really on point in the middle of the night. Here's something I believe, based on my own experience. I haven't done any research on this particularly, but I've seemed to have experienced it, is that if trust is solid before something like that happens, before I have a bad day, one, I can say, God, Eli, I'm just really having a bad day, and you believe it. You're going to cut me some slack on this, this day. So if we've got a solid trust relationship or if people on a team have strong trust with each other, then those times when we screw up, it doesn't just knock trust off. It doesn't kill it. People say it takes a long time to build trust and just a moment to destroy it, but I don't believe that at all. I believe that if there's strong trust and it's well-built, foundation is good, then those moments when we mess up can be overcome. And part of that is because we can talk about it. If we trust each other, Ela, what was going on for you last week? I've had this story that you weren't really on. I'm not sure what that's about, but shouldn't you share a little bit with me? And you, in turn, because we trust each other, would feel comfortable saying, oh, yeah, this is going on and whatever it is. As you were describing that, my whole body was constricting and I was envisioning how many relationships all over the place are precarious because we haven't had either the ability, the framework, the conversation. And when it's precarious, it feels scary. It feels uncertain. It feels no, I'm not going to say that. No, I'm just going to hold everything in versus I have a solid, proven, intentional relationship with you around trust. So when I do mess up or I'm not having my rock star day, that I can go, you know what, Charles, I take full accountability. I missed that. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer today. Can you cut me some slack and can we have this conversation tomorrow? Or I know we have a big deadline. Can you help me with that? Because I'm really struggling to meet it, but I know how important it is to you. And even you could come to me and say, hey, Charles, I'm having a bad day. And what you just said is making it even more difficult and challenging for me. Can we do something different? Oh, I just exhaled. I noticed I was holding my breath. I just exhaled. And we can only do that if we do have a pretty solid trust relationship or that the trust in our relationship is solid, which again goes back to building that trust and maintaining it, which is really what we're all about here. Whether we're using Brené Brown's model and how she talks about trust through the Dare to Lead program or the framework you and I use when we work with the Thin Book of Trust material or two or three other ones that I can think of off the top of my head, Charlie Green's equation, whatever it is, 
point is that we actually can talk about trust. We can not just make assumptions and assessments about it, but check those assumptions out with each other. And that's what deepens the intimacy and deepens the vulnerability, which in turn builds the trust and it's an upward spiral. There's a great Simon Sinek video on empathy. In that video, he talks about a salesperson that is suddenly not meeting their numbers and how easy it is to come into a conversation like that with, hey, your numbers are down. And if you don't turn things around, I'm not sure what the outcome's going to be. Versus, hey, your numbers are down. I'm worried about you. What's going on? How can I help? That's amazing because as you and I are talking about this, we might think, well, <laughs> why not? I mean, it seems like an obvious way to open a conversation. And yet, and it's not because people are ill-intentioned, but there's all this pressure to get stuff done and... We don't know really the language of trust building and all of these things. So it's really easy for the model that's been held up for us to sort of step into as a leader is the one where we just put it on the table. Okay, your numbers are down. What are you going to do about it? You better fix that. I don't have time to spend a listening to why. I just want you to fix it. That's the model that a lot of people learn from watching their bosses, their leaders, might even have come from their families. Part of trust building has to do with recognizing that we have choices around this and that there are consequences to our choice. In fact, just recently, I was working with a leader who was kind of in that situation where it took a bit of work to help him create some awareness around the fact a, that he had a choice, and B, the outcome of this choice to just say, fix it, versus the outcome of, hey, what's going on? And, and how can I help? Once he recognized there was a choice there, he began to shift his behavior a bit, lean more towards the other choice. There's a bunch of ground between those two as well. It's not like, okay, I have to be a hard ass or I have to be a totally wimpy soft guy who can't get anything done here, can't make any kind of direct statements about things. I was working with a leader a couple of days ago. He was really frustrated with basically his 2IC, his second in command, and how he was just dropping the ball and feeling overwhelmed. So he says, you know, I, I had to give him had to give him some feedback. And he says, but you know, I'm old school. And so, you know, you say something nice, you kick him in the nuts, and then you throw something nice on the end. And I said, so the shit sandwich, you just delivered a shit sandwich. Oh, yeah, but it's effective. You know, I'm old school. I know that this really works. And I said, what about if you considered that now every time he comes to a conversation with you, he's bracing for impact because he's waiting for you to kick him again and again and again. And what do you think that that causes in your relationship? And he, he was gobsmacked. He's like, I never thought of it. I thought that I was helping him do better by giving him this shit sandwich feedback. And he said, I never thought about how this is causing him 
to come into conversations hesitant and nervous and ready to be berated. Yeah. And looking at it from the perspective of trust, I can see damaging the trust relationship. Even if the boss now has only something to say that's positive, his employee is not going to trust that that's the case and is not going to trust, probably not going to trust that positive message because the positive message is always wrapped thinly around the negative message. As we're having this conversation, I actually feel like I want to go back to that leader to say, do you feel that that person is doing the best they can? And how might you find out how you can support them? Or how would changing your belief about that help the situation? And again, and coming back to that quadrant of care, I just feel how vitally important it is to be able to come from a place of care to say, here's what's going on. Here's what I need you to do differently. How can I support you to do that? How can we build that accountability? It's the message that I do have your best interests in mind. And to that end, I would like to give you some feedback. And I would like to request that you do something different. That's a different conversation than you just need to straighten up and fly right here because otherwise things are going to go badly for you. There is that sense of, does my leader have my best interests in mind? Does my manager have the team's best interests? Here we are in a team together. The most egregious demonstration of lack of care that I've ever experienced was when this was many, many, many years ago, I was working in a company and I was on the marketing side of things. We were trying to get a new product out the door. The engineering team and the marketing team had been working like hand in hand, but particularly the engineering team had been working day and night. Literally these guys, some of them had been sleeping on site, trying to get this product ready to get out the door by a certain deadline. And we're running into problems. This was a really complex engineering project. So we're having a meeting and the general manager of our division comes in, in the middle of our meeting and says, listen, you need to meet this deadline because if you don't, I could lose my job. And everybody's jaw dropped. I mean, we're all sitting around this table listening to this. Why the hell are we working so hard so that you can keep your job? So that's kind of a total break trust at the domain of care. <laughs> Shred it, throw it on the floor and stomp on it. A complete demonstration of I don't care at all about you. It's all about me. That's like an extreme version of it. But we're pretty good as human beings at detecting nuanced versions of that. Coming into a conversation with someone about them maybe not doing their best or doing their best, but it's not quite up to par, up to what we need right now, having a strong grounding in the sense of care that I do care about you. I do have your best interests in mind. And I have to have proven that to you, I think, over time. I can't just say it in the moment and think that it's going to build that level of trust in that domain. I have to actually build it over time. You know, I think we could go on and on about 
well, we'll go on and on in future episodes about trust <laughs> and how it impacts relationships. At this point, I'm just really sitting in how important it is to develop trust from that quadrant of care and how when we have that care, trust is extended much more easily into those other domains. And when we feel that there isn't that care, that we can shrink back trust in the other domains. As we talked about Brene's living big, so boundaries are getting clear on what's okay and what's not okay. The I is about integrity, choosing courage over comfort, choosing what's right over what's fast, fun, or easy, choosing to practice our values rather than simply professing them. And the G is really, I think it really hits my heart over and over again, is that generosity. So working from assumptions and intention of compassion and grace, and I would add, and care. Care is, in a sense, part of that kind of generosity internally. That's how we build it, really. We build it by being generous towards others, including saying, okay, I think you're doing the best you can today, given the circumstances, and we need some improvement. I need for you to, to be able to do this better next time, whatever it is. But it's a sense of generosity towards that other person and their ability to grow rather than being constricted and getting back to where we started. You're not doing your best and you damn well better be better. So I think there is a lot, there's a big intersection between this and trust and in particular the domain of care, but also sincerity is a part of it. Are you being sincere in what you're doing? Are you showing up as big as you can, given who you are today? When we have coaching clients, often they want to be bigger than they are now. They want to show up bigger than they are now. And it's a journey. And it takes self-trust. And it takes building trust with others. I think maybe we're at a good concluding point for this conversation. I hope that our listeners have been able to take something valuable for themselves out of this conversation. I would invite, as we always do, if you have an issue or concern in your life around trust that you would like us to take on and talk about, we'd welcome that. Please email charles at insightcoaching.com and would be happy to work with you whatever your issue is. So thank you, Hila. This is a great conversation. I think I've taken some new perspectives away from it. Thank you, Charles. And I'll add an invitation for our listeners is to think of someone that maybe you're not feeling that they are doing the best they can. And is there an opportunity for you to do some self-reflection about what would it take or what would it mean if I did? And what actions and behaviors or conversations would help build trust in the relationship? Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, take care. And I trust that you will be doing the best that you can. And so will I. We'll see you next time.